0: Friends, welcome back to another episode of Doable Discipleship. Last week, we did part A of a two-part series through the Christmas story. Pastor Buddy's been doing a really beautiful reading, and we've tried to create a nice, uh, a nice audio experience for you through the Christmas story. Last week, we talked about the coming of John the Baptist and uh, the song of Zechariah and this uh, future foretold not only of John the Baptist, but also of the coming Messiah. And it's the continuation of that story that we'll be looking at Today. So be sure to go back and listen to last week's
1: episode to hear just the, the fullness of the story and then come back to this episode and join us. Again, you'll hear some interspersing from Doug and myself with some additional commentary into what is being talked about. But go back and listen to the first episode first to just experience the fullness of the Christmas story.
0: And don't forget that we're reading from various portions of the different gospel accounts of Jesus's coming. Um, So just know that if you're you're hearing the stories interweave, it's because we did that to create a nice smooth narrative for you, which we hope you will enjoy. This is how
2: Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took
0: Mary as his wife. One thing that I think is interesting about this narrative is uh, is Joseph and his reaction to Mary. Uh, Mary hears first from Gabriel that she'll become pregnant with the Messiah, and then she does become pregnant with the Messiah. And, and Gabriel doesn't actually appear and speak to Joseph about it until later on. And I kind of wonder why God chose to do it that way. I wonder if there was maybe a testing of Joseph's character that was happening in this process. Because you hear his response, which I think is a very... Uh, Uh, Well, as the text puts it, he was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. And one thing I like, Pastor Buddy uh, has defined um, righteousness in the past as doing the right thing in the right way. And I love the gracious and kind approach that uh, Joseph took, while he would have probably felt personally very betrayed before he realized that what Mary was saying was actually true. Uh, And then, of course, uh, Gabriel does show up and let him know what's going on, and he kind of is brought into the loop. But I think it's interesting the way that plays out. I also like, there's a a little phrase in there that I think we can all learn from, and it's the top of um, the conversation between, right as the conversation between Gabriel and Joseph is beginning to happen. He says, as he considered this, so it says that he took time to consider what he was going to do when he discovered that Mary was pregnant. And I appreciate the wisdom of that. This is a man who was thoughtful about his reaction Um, and reacted in a very righteous and good way. So I think Joseph, we don't hear a lot about Joseph, but I think he's worth giving a little bit of credit to here.
2: At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth. And laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. It was just as the angel had told them. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. Then it was time for their purification offering, as required by the Law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The Law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the Law of the Lord, either a pair of turtledoves or two young pigeons. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them And he said to mary the baby's mother this child is destined to cause many in israel to fall and many others to rise he has been sent as a sign from god but many will oppose him as a result the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul
1: This was a longer section, so we have a couple of things that we wanted to touch on briefly. First, I want to go back to um, when the angel appeared and said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. There's something that's so powerful about joy in this season. It's it's one of the four parts of Advent, so it's something that's talked a lot about, but I think it's important to spend a little extra time to focus on on what is what is the joy the joy is this news that a savior is being born so it's not just joy of the season it's not just joy for you know everything that comes along with the christmas season it's joy of a specific kind and that is that there is that is a a savior, the Messiah is being born to save us. Mm. That's where the joy is found, is the joy is found in Christ. So that's something just, I I want to encourage you to think about a little bit in this time as you're listening through and as you're entering into this Christmas season or or, or continuing into this Christmas season, is thinking about where is your source of joy coming from? Mm.
0: And we also have this passage which we just read, where Simeon blesses Mary and Joseph and the baby, and then he he shares a prophetic word to Mary that shows us sort of the counterpart to that joy. Uh, and he ends his statement to Mary. He speaks directly to Mary. It says that he he spoke to the baby's mother, saying these things, and it ends with. Um, with this phrase, and a sword will pierce your very soul. And up to this point, we've been hearing the joy. We've been hearing the joy expressed by Mary, like we heard last week in the Magnificat. And we've been hearing how she has kept these things in her heart and really has treasured these precious moments, carrying the Messiah in her own body, bringing him uh, into the world, and and this entire beautiful process. But as, as modern readers, when we read this, We recognize that there is a shadow of a coming sacrifice for Jesus and that we have such joy in the salvation that Jesus brings. But this is a reminder that that joy and that freedom comes at God's expense and that there is a great payment that is going to be made uh, and that Jesus has a, a difficult journey ahead.
2: Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, Where is the newborn King of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem, and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. And they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the
0: prophet, "I called my son out of Egypt." So, why was Herod so disturbed? Is a question that might naturally come to mind. One thing we know about Herod is that he was what's called a vassal. He, uh, at this time, all of all of Jerusalem, Judea, this, the whole region was under Roman control, and he was a king over the Jewish people, a local king that had been appointed by the Romans who were the overlords of the entire region. And so the reason why Herod was so disturbed was because he was the king of the Jews. And when this prophecy came through, when it was said that Jesus had been born, the Messiah, the king of the Jews had been born, he saw that as an immediate threat to his power, which gives us insight into what happens next.
2: Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then, after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophets had said, he will be called a Nazarene. The child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom and God's favor was on him.
0: It's good to be reminded of what an incredible story we're celebrating uh, during Christmas and I'm excited to get to Christmas services and celebrate this time with family and, and I like I hope you'll be doing is uh, we'll be taking the time to recognize the gravity of what God did in sending his son to come to walk with us on this earth and to set his redemptive plan in motion. This is what we're celebrating during the Christmas season.
1: Yeah. So. Make it a point and start to make a plan ahead with your family of which Christmas services you are planning on attending, whether here at the Lake Forest campus, at another Saddleback campus, or at um, your local church. We're just um, excited to get to celebrate
0: the Christmas season all together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. I think it's appropriate for us to end on a classic Christmas passage. So let's wrap up, and Buddy's going to read us Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6.
2: A child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace.
0: excerpts from the New Living Translation were used by permission of Tyndale House Publishers Incorporated. All rights reserved. Product available for purchase at www.tyndale.com.